Greetings, fellow witches, wizards, warlocks, and everything in between. You're listening to All Things Contested Realm, a podcast where we talk about all things having to do with sorcery, contested realm, the trading card game. I am your host, Kevin Rodriguez, also known online and around the Discord servers as Kevmo, and this is episode 9, the very first episode that we are going to introduce, the Realm Side Chatter. We'll get to that later. Before we get into the main part of the episode, I'd just like to give a shout out to our sponsor, CardDig.com. CardDig.com is your one-stop shop for all things sorcery. They have all kinds of singles, both foil and non-foil. They have graded product. They have all kinds of really cool card sleeves and accessories, including their brand new custom mana and threshold counters that they recently just put on their site. They also have some really beautiful play mats. And of course, you can get all these things for 5% off with the coupon code ALLTHINGS5. That's the 5% off coupon code just for listeners of the podcast. And that is all things 5, A-L-L-T-H-I-N-G-S, and then a number 5. Put that in at the end of your order to get 5% off. And remember, CardDig.com offers free shipping for anything over $50 within the United States, as well as international shipping. They offer international shipping for all those who are outside of the United States. And they also partnered with Shopify for their payment processing, so you're able to do payment plans for those who qualify, so it makes your shopping even easier. So if you have some players in your household who are playing sorcery and you want to get them some really cool Christmas gifts this year or stocking stuffers, Keep in mind that CardDig.com has you covered, and uh, like I said, listeners get 5% off, so go ahead and check them out. So thank you once again for CardDig for being our sponsor, and I just want to give them a little bit of love before we start the episode. Alright, and the first segment that we like to start off each and every episode with is reading any new reviews that we have, and this week we actually have a brand new review on Apple Podcast. So, this is from Die, 5 stars, they say, thanks Kevin. It's nice to have someone so dedicated to the game producing regular content and helping out with the rules. So thank you for that, Tumbling and Die. Uh, For those who might not know, I often lurk in the rules section of the Discord to help new players get uh, used to some of those rules that they're not uh, totally caught up with or familiar with. And uh, I also like to brush up on my own rules knowledge and just make sure that I'm up to date with the current ratifications and updates and uh, just make sure that I'm ruling things correctly. So... Thank you again for that one. So once again, if you're on Apple Podcasts and you'd like to leave a review for the podcast, we very much appreciate it, and uh, I love to read them at the beginning of the episode. So, And uh, thank you for everyone who leaves those five stars on Spotify as well. We're always happy to get those. But uh, yeah, very exciting to get a review. We haven't gotten one in a while, so thank you for that one. All right, so let's open it up to the news and highlights section of the podcast now. So not a whole lot going on in the world of the podcast. However, um, for this month of December... I am officially hosting my very first annual Secret Santa gift exchange within the podcast server uh, for members who want to participate in a gift exchange. It's really fun. I basically randomize names and addresses and assign somebody a random person within their same country. And those people send out gifts. Everybody will be sending something as well as receiving something from a random player and community member within the podcast server. And yeah. I can't wait to see how it goes. I will post an update in the next episode that we do. And uh, I can't wait to do this annually. I'm hoping it turns out really, really well and people have fun with this. As for the world of sorcery, the sorcery team recently just added the official rules on their website under the news section. I'll go ahead and post a link to it in the show notes. But uh, they added official rules for the sealed and draft formats. And uh, that's very exciting and cool because it's perfect time to post those rules because we see a lot of stores finally receiving their product in that they've been waiting for. They're receiving their store kits. They're receiving their price support for tournaments. And they're starting to do a lot of events and cool things to welcome in new players at their local uh, game shops. 
We're also seeing a lot of players take it upon themselves to go to their local game shops and hold their own drafts and their own tournaments and game events uh, to introduce new players. And that's really neat. So it's perfect timing for the team to release those rules for draft and sealed formats. And that way those at home who want to do their own drafts with friends or at their local game shops, they're able to get those official rules for those formats and kind of do it themselves. So it's very exciting to see a lot more active players joining the discords, both this one and the podcast. We're seeing a lot of new faces in there. So it's very, very cool. It's cool to see a lot of events popping up at local shops that are finally getting their stuff and new players coming in and so i hope to see a lot more of those in the near future as we see more shops getting their products and more stores becoming retailers in addition to that we finally see most countries receiving all their products in we had a lot of delays going on and a lot of different countries were having a hard time getting that product in but i think at this point most countries have received at least most of their product and uh, we're starting to see a lot more of our international friends opening stuff and posting stuff online so that's really cool to see it's very exciting so hopefully we don't see more delays like that in the future hopefully the team is able to uh, work with distributors and vendors to uh, lock that down and, and make sure that we're following different release dates but it is good news that we finally see a lot more people holding product in their hand finally so Last but not least, the team also followed up with their news segment on their own website, and they posted a video of the Season 3 finals between Ira and Mike. So if you have not heard anything about those yet, I'm not going to spoil the winner for you. But if you would like to watch the video of the finals match, it is narrated by Ira himself. And it's pretty cool. Very exciting. Cool to see the season three. I can't wait for the next season. I'm hoping to participate in season four and I'm going to bring my A game with a very exciting new deck that I recently built. I'm trying it out. If you have any interest in joining the league seasons, uh, there is a separate discord run by Ira himself, one of the game developers. If you're in the main discord channel, you can ask on there and people will gladly post the link to join the league server. But uh, it's very fun. It's it's basically the most official competitive scene that we have for online play. So it's, it's cool to see season three come to a close and a very excited for season four coming up this next year. All right, so that is enough of that. Without wasting any time, we're going to go ahead and get to our main part of the episode. So for the main part of our episode, like I said, I'm introducing a new episode format called Realmside Chatter, where we have guests on. We do a little bit of an interview with them, get to know our guests, and then just kind of chat about something having to do with who they are or what the theme of that episode is, and just open it up to some open discussion and chat about this game that we all love. Now, originally, I was going to plan on having a different episode for this episode nine, but uh, due to some last minute time restrictions and some scheduling changes, the guests that I had on for the original episode nine were not able to make it in so luckily for me I had a couple of buddies here that I recently got into sorcery not too long ago who volunteered to go ahead and help me out with this episode and uh, so that sparked up the beginning of the realm side chatter episodes and so this very first episode of realm side chatter we're opening it up to interviewing kind of chatting with some new players and kind of get their opinions and insights into the game I want to see how they're enjoying sorcery and their introduction into it opening up boxes and getting into the gameplay going from being really big magic players into this brand new game of sorcery but uh, without spoiling too much that's basically what we're doing on this episode I went ahead and set up a recording area for me to uh, speak with my buddies and kind of chat with them a little bit about this stuff and it's really really cool I had a lot of fun doing it admittedly the audio is definitely going to be a little bit different than you're used to in order to fit us all into one room and open it up for us to be able to record we had to record
record in a brand new area where we're not used to the sound and the acoustics and we use a different type of microphone. So I hope the audio is not too bad. I tried to do what I could in post-editing to make it sound reasonably okay. But uh, keep that in mind. Hopefully in the near future when we do more of these Realmside Chatter episodes, I'm able to do a little bit different setup and uh, get a little bit better audio quality. So bear with me on that one. But either way, I had a lot of fun and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. My buddies Sal and Jesse joined me on this episode. And again, it's just kind of an insight into the mind of a player. So without further ado, here's that interview. Here's that chatter. The first episode of Realmside Chatter. I hope you all enjoy. And here we go. All right. The microphone is hot. I'm joined by my good buddies. Uh, we're going to do some questions and stuff and get to know stuff about them with the initial beginner players coming in and their first experiences with Sorcerer and all that. So would you guys like to introduce yourselves? I'm Jesse. And I'm Sal. Uh, all right. Thank you for the introductions. So Thank you guys for being here. Well, first of all, these are my buddies that I, I got into sorcery. We are longtime Magic players. We play Magic together pretty often, as much as we possibly can. But I recently got them into sorcery, and so we're just going to kind of chat with them about some sorcery stuff and get to know them a little bit better and their experiences. So, like I said, starting off, how long have you been playing and collecting sorcery? And uh, what did I say about it or describe about it that got you guys interested in it in the first place? Well, for me, I've been only playing for about two months, but Kevin talking about it for like almost half a year to me about it and how you described about it it felt like magic the gathering and then chess and it exactly felt like that too yeah, okay. what about you sal that was a, a little bit earlier than jesse but um the uh i had not gotten into the game in time for the uh kickstarter the, the kickstarter yeah, alpha. but uh i did get an alpha box it was a a bit expensive. It's about the same as what it is now. It's like it's a little inflated now, but seven eight hundred. Yeah, it's about the same. And uh, yeah, it was an interesting game. I think uh, it's. I, I've seen a lot of new games come along that are inspired by older games, Magic, Pokemon, all that stuff. But it doesn't try and be those games. It's just something else that just happened to be inspired by them. So mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, it's refreshing. It has its own unique style about it mm-hmm. uh and then jesse you came in during beta somewhat recently i think you're on your second box or you ordered your second or third box i opened up my second box and i have a third box waiting in the mail that one I might just hold on to be like a little hatching egg later on nest, nest egg later to hold on to yeah nest egg that's it uh are you are you aiming to get some alpha as well down the road to open or hold on to or are you going to stick with beta i definitely want to try to get a box of alpha just to hold on to but if i can get the money for opening alpha for the second box i'd definitely be happy to i'm trying to aim to get at least one more box of alpha as well if i can find it at an affordable price it's going up a little bit but people are thinking it might drop a tiny bit more i might try to see how it is after the holidays but uh, i definitely want to try to get another box of beta i know or uh, alpha i know Sal over there is trying to get another box of Alpha yeah. eventually. It's just too much fun to open Alpha right now. Just um, use your credit card. That's what it's for. <laughs> Irresponsible it. purchases. I'll put it on my credit card. Uh, all right. So how similar do you think it is because your experience is with Magic? Or how different was the experience when you were learning to play Sorcery than how you play Magic or your feel for Magic? Um, what are the biggest like things that you found are similar versus different that allowed you to feel like this is something familiar but still unique in its own way? So, uh, Jesse, we'll, we'll start with you. For uh, me, with the threshold of the elements, 
At first, I got confused with Magic's way of casting stuff. Got you have the mana of that element available, but not with Threshold. It's really refreshing. Just like worry about uh, just casting for the number. Cost. Yeah. When I first played Magic, I thought I just needed a uh, three black mana just to cast one three cost creature. Yeah. So the the difference with sorcery where you don't have like colored mana. Uh, you have like a colored threshold instead is kind of mm-hmm. different from, from magic. Well, that's originally how magic used to be. The The colored mana symbols didn't used to be like another... That's just how much of it needed to be that color. So they mm-hmm. they did change that early on. Oh, like uh, was that during the actual release of the game or like yeah. testing? Like like very early on. Oh. Yeah. So they kept the cards the they same, change, but they changed like yeah. the rules behind so, it. So like Shivan Dragon used to be like four mana... And then two of that has to be red. Oh, that's cool. So they they changed the way that worked. Um, okay. uh, I don't know if you guys have seen some of the like sample cards or curios for or early sorcery, but they used to have different mana symbols too. And they uh, it looks like they were originally intending something similar, where like some of them look like a waterfall or like water symbol. So it was going to take two water mana basically in order to cast something, but that was too similar to magic, so they changed it to what it is now using the threshold system, which I think is cool because it's a break. It's it's similar enough to magic to where you know about the whole, oh, it takes this much mana to cast something, but then now all of a sudden you just have this like elemental threshold that you have to re- meet, where as long as you have this, you can cast it instead of like trying to make sure you have the right lands tapped and untapped and worry about mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, all right, so what were your first experiences when I was trying to teach you uh, early on? Because I, I was still in the stage where I was still playing online and I still had quite a few things that I had to learn. So I remember when I was teaching you guys, even I was like second guessing myself on some of the rules and had to like look up stuff and be like, oh, am I teaching you correctly? Because I didn't want to teach you guys the wrong way to play it. But I remember we were starting with the pre-context, the alpha pre-context, and uh, I think I even had them slightly altered at that point and then I went back and changed them back to their original uh, how they came in the box so that we can just play them in a non-complicated souped up way with no cores and, and philosopher stones and all that I keep it really basic uh, but what were your first impressions and, and how was the first time learning the game when I was initially teaching you guys just from scratch Jesse we'll start with you very confusing at first because so many new techs and abilities that you gotta learn uh, one experience is like try to cast a fireball projectile. I'm like, oh hey, you can't hit my creature because uh, there's void in between us. Uh, Gotta have a sight in bet- going through the whole way. Can't just have a fireball go through the void. Yeah. So the board, the grid experience was. Yeah. Like you're not just playing cards at that point. You're having to pay attention to the whole grid layout and everything. Yes, exactly. Did you feel like you caught on pretty quick? I mean, I felt you, like you caught on pretty quick just on the first game. I think you won the first. Game too. Uh, I think I won the first. But I feel like you caught games. on pretty quick yeah. with with teaching you that. Yeah, because it felt similar to magic. I caught on quick quickly, but then still learning some of the abilities. You did give me about three errors I had fixed, <laughs> but still managed to get through. Uh, I, I think there were still some calls that I made that probably. I think I texted you later and like, oh shoot, when we played that, it wasn't correct. It was actually supposed to be this. So we're, no, we're it was more like, all right, I think it goes like this. And then, like, you looked it up, like, oh, no, no, it goes like yeah. this. And then we had it right the first time. <laughs> what about you, Sal? <laughs> it was about the same. Uh, we, I, I took a liking to the uh, the fire deck 
Uh, I just really liked the way that one played. Um, some of the other decks I didn't really like, like the water deck. Uh, you ended up playing. Like you both, deck. I think, played all the decks, right? Yeah. Pretty much. I, I we so. played at least one of each, but I usually played the uh, fire deck more than the other ones. What but was your favorite one that you played? The earth uh, element was my favorite so far. Okay. Why, why did you like the fire one the best? Uh, I like, well, I'm a red player at heart. Yeah. But uh, I, I like the uh, direct damage more than trying to be aggro. Just like, not I wouldn't call it control, but like keeping the board clear and just zapping you every other turn. And I think you said you like the alpha ava- elemental avatar of fire more than the beta one just because the beta one you have to, it's dependent on things being in your cemetery, whereas the alpha one you just draw a sight and you can cast a fireball. Yeah, I liked, it, it, it was just simpler, I think. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm casting a bunch of spells, but I like being able to hit you for four one turn and then hit you for four the next turn without having to worry about refilling my graveyard. Mm-hmm. You just, I just hit you again. <laughs> but you, I feel like you caught on pretty quick too when I was teaching you. There were some things where, uh, again, I was having issues like making sure that I was teaching you the right rules too. And I think we had to stop and and look some stuff up and then change some things here and there. But yeah, I felt you. I felt like you both caught on pretty quick. And we, I feel like you guys had it down mostly by the end of the first game. And then by the time we played like our second and third games, it went a lot quicker. You guys, I think the only questions that popped up were just unique abilities that you hadn't seen before because um, you hadn't drawn the card yet. And so we just had to look those up. But I feel like for the most part, you guys both caught on pretty quick just because you're both experienced with magic. And, the, uh, the game's also pretty intuitive. Like, it, it plays how you would expect it to play. Uh, the only the only confusing thing, that it still trips me up. And I, I get so frustrated sometimes. Like, what's the difference between nearby and... It's like adjacent. It's like those two should just be one word. <laughs> it's just like... And then there's and also... Go diagonal, straight. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's like, can, can I hit you with this fireball? We're a kitty corner. um and then what did you feel about the concept of having different regions where it's like above ground submerged or below water um, burrowed below land and then the void having these separate regions on the on the battlefield how was that it was confusing at first but slowly trying to get under control of understanding it it's a little issue on how to move and when to intercept yeah a lot of the movement stuff is is pretty advanced especially because you don't use intercept very often, usually, because most units move one step at a time, and usually if they're going to move, they're going to attack it if you defend. But once we start getting into more of these uh, other decks that you can actually construct, constructed play, you're going to see a lot more like movement plus things, and that's where intercept... I haven't really come across opportunities to do intercept either, but that is more of one of the ones that isn't used as often, so it's often like forgotten about. But I feel like once we get more cards in the next upcoming sets... We're going to see more movement buffs and more movement pluses where intercept is probably going to be a bigger thing. Did you have fun learning from the bat or was it like kind of frustrating learning or, or like was like pulling your, pulling your teeth or twisting your arm trying to learn the game or did you like actually have fun trying to learn it? Were you excited to learn? Or? Well, for me, I had fun learning about it. New card game, new art styles. Like I just want to learn yeah. more about this game if it continues on. What about you, Sal? I'm always down to learn a new game. And uh, like I said, this one was pretty easy to pick up and go, uh, <laughs> except for the the nearby versus uh, adjacent, the adjacent, and, and oh my god, yeah, yeah, it's it it it's pretty pretty good. 
it's it's easy to pick up, especially if you have like card playing experience. Yeah. Yeah. What just just to touch on it, what is your guys's history besides? Magic, like we talked about, like what is your history with other trading card games? What have you guys played? Start with Sal over there since he was just talking about it. Um, I started with Yu-Gi-Oh, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> back uh, when Yu-Gi-Oh I, was Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, uh, back when Blue Eyes was king. Yeah. Uh, but no, I I played Yu-Gi-Oh. I played Pokemon. We played the old, the original Dragon Ball Z, uh, the Bandai version. Um, that one was really fun. Did you play this? Of course, Magic. Digimon at all, or I had a couple cards. Nobody wanted to play it. Yeah, those cards <laughs> were so cool. I wish that I always wish that I had more people that would somebody play that somebody I brought a, have some a Zatch Bell deck to school and like had a had they had two decks so we could play and I just never heard of the game again. It's just it vanished overnight and it was gone. <laughs> like had the little book. Do you yeah. remember the book? Yeah, yeah, I remember. It had like the little little tiny one card, one slot binder, and yeah. uh, there, was, there was Zatch Bell. What else was there? There was um, I didn't play. They had a um, a crossover with Magic, where they had the Black Lotus. What? Oh, um, it has like some one word name. Yeah, I, I remember uh, the one that has the Bakugan? cross. Yeah, um, no, no, it does. It has Jace. It has Jace and like a handful of other. Yeah, that um, nobody wanted to play that either. And uh, I, I, I heard it was like popular in Japan, but I guess nobody wanted it over here. I know, I know which one you're talking about, and now it's bugging me. I, I feel like I, if I look on my like eBay recently bought stuff, it'll pop up because I bought those token, not tokens, but like oh here it is. Uh, Duel Masters. Duel Masters. That's oh, what it yeah. is. Yeah. It, it was called something else, and then they rebooted uh, it. I think it's like a Kaiju Masters now. Yeah. Kaijudo. Kaijudo, that's what yeah. it was. What about you, Jesse? What What did you play? I played the Pokemon card game. Oh, yeah, Pokemon. Timer, yeah. Long time ago. You played Pokemon stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah. I never but, played, but I did collect a lot of the cards. Okay. A lot of people... I played a little <laughs> bit, but I was more into collecting them at, when I was younger. Then in high school, I got more into the Yu-Gi-Oh! for my freshman year. Actually, it was middle school when I got into it. Then freshman year of high school, that's when I stopped. I haven't played card games for years until Magic in 2012. Okay, so you've been playing Magic since 2012. Yeah. And Sal, you, I know you've been playing... I played... 2012, like whenever Innistrad came out, that's when I really got into the game. Yeah, that's a lot earlier than me. I think I I, I didn't come back into Magic. I was in it. I, I remember buying it was that starter, those early starter decks, the one that came with the Thorn Elemental one and like some angels. I think I had like an angel and a and the the green. And then something happened back then, and I ended up losing all my cards. Uh, and then I didn't get back into it until my brother-in-law. I had met my brother-in-law when my sister started dating him, and he was really big in the magic and uh, he used to actually compete and go to tournaments and stuff and i think that was several years ago oh it was when the um the enchantress deck the precon came out remember the enchantress one that had all the enchantments and um the masks mm-hmm. tokens that's yeah. when i first came into it so but that was well over innistrad um, yeah what about you so uh i think my first experience with magic was around tempest um, God, that was so long ago. Slivers were just disgusting back then. They still are, just as they are now. So disgusting. <laughs> okay, so along, along, well, and and you're a level one judge. 
so you yeah. that was another thing that helped you with um, learning sorcery was just the fact that you are well versed with magic rules uh, themselves, but just trading card rules. I mean, you, you seem Logic to really like in general. Yeah, strive to know all the rules for any game that you play. And then Jesse, you're so freaking quick picking up onto the stuff that when we play Commander with you, we're always like, what combos is Jesse going to do to make him a bazillion sapperlings? Or, yeah. Uh, but, uh, Don't even give me start with the new Commander's build. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're not going to go. This is a sorcery podcast. So. <laughs> yep, um, hey, trust me. I was looking for uh, uh, combos and sorcery. Oh my gosh. It's just not enough. Not a big enough card pool yet. We'll yeah. get our infinite combo yeah. soon. We'll get one going. Yeah. So uh, for now, like, I'm enjoying the Death Caller. The, oh, the uh, death it, death dealer. Yeah, death dealer. The one that Genesis out. No, 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 not death dealer. The of Avatar. Which the one? one that brings? Oh, death, death speaker. Death speaker. There, there you go. go. Death yeah. something. Yeah, death speaker. Death sandwich. Avatar. I am loving him with all the Genesis creatures I have in deck. I I can't wait for more support for like getting things out and more Genesis and death right. I think we only have a few death right minions. Yeah, he's such a good. I think he's one of the more popular. Avatars is Death Speaker. I have a Death Speaker deck. I, well. I kind of wonder if they're going to do some kind of uh, rotation because Death Speaker is one of those cards that every set that comes out is just going to get more and more powerful, and eventually it's just it's going to be too good. And I don't know how they're going to deal with that. I mean, obviously it's too early right now. There's no rotation with just yeah. one set, no. basically. Alpha and Beta are basically the same set. Well, and uh, they already had the power balance Death Speaker in order to make sure that his ability works as intended mm-hmm. so that you can't like stack certain things in a way to like re- keep getting its effect over and over. So yeah. originally, the card, just as it reads, says you can summon something out of your cemetery and then it does its thing, and then you banish it. But the way that it's worded made it seem like when you summon it out, you can have certain effects that bounce it back to your hand or put it back into your cemetery for you to reuse again. So what they did is they went back and ratified it to actually say, uh, and you have to actually look into the advanced comprehensive rulebook for this because it doesn't describe it on the card. I think it's on the facts online if you click on the card. But you basically... Banish the minion from your cemetery, create a token of it, and then the token goes onto the onto the grid, the playing field, and then you do its genesis effect and whatever it does, and then it banishes from there. But because it's a token, you can't use effects that will bounce it back to your hand or put it back in the cemetery to reuse it again because it's a token at that point. So yeah. it works similar to magic, how tokens can exist yeah. in your hand or in the uh, cemetery. I keep wanting to call it graveyard. Well, one standard I <laughs> found all of that deck is when you sacrifice a mortal creature if you have like a pacific zombie in your graveyard you can bring that zombie back yeah and then there's another creature you can just sacrifice a minion to have a draw ability still not familiar with all the names yeah there's so many there's 403 cards in, <laughs> in the yeah. set so yeah it's a lot of stuff how do you uh i mean i've never this is kind of staying on the same topic but also moving on i've never experienced a card game coming in during the first set before and only having a very limited card pool to play with and seeing how you have to make the best out of whatever the first set is and i can only imagine like when magic first came out you know people had no problem waiting till seven eight mana to cast something because you did nothing during the first handful of turns except just build mana and hope to get something eventually Mm -hmm. so i don't know if you guys i mean you guys weren't around during the first set of magic but from your experience playing and like being around Magic and other players who have. Yeah, how do you feel about being in the very first set of Sorcery 
and like limited to these and trying to find what we can do with these before any other expansion set comes out that just like completely changes the gameplay of, of only being limited to the first set. It takes a lot of brain power to find out all these synergies of what we are limited to. But then when the next set comes out, I was like, all right, what new combos can I make now? Yeah. What about you, Sal? Uh, I, I found it rather frustrating. I So I, I started with my first constructed deck. Uh, I, I liked the Kalaki Dragonettes just yeah. as a card. I liked that they shot something across the board. And they, they could just sit there, and I kind of wanted to make a deck based around that. Like, uh, if you play WoW, I wanted to make a dot deck. Damage over time, just mm-hmm. have stuff burning Pain. you constantly, yeah. and then just kill any creatures that you play. But Kalaki Dragonettes is the only creature that does that. I mean, there's a couple that'll shoot something nearby, but I didn't want them to be nearby. I wanted to keep you away from me and just shoot you, but... The only other thing I could find was a demon's egg or uh, devil's egg. Oh, well, like the pinging, yeah. pinging you for, yeah. Devil's yeah, egg. but th- it was, was also Pudge Butcher, but it like, it shoots the thing and then brings it to Pudge Butcher to yeah. fight it, which you're trying to not bring it to you. You're yeah, trying to, and I, I mean, also wanted to shoot the player. I didn't want to shoot creatures because I could just kill the creature and then I don't yeah. have to worry about it. But th- there's just not enough card pool right now. For to that to work, maybe with the uh, we have two new sets coming out. We have the uh, yeah Arthurian so Legends. Jesse hasn't even heard of these ones yet. Oh well, I'll give it to you to explain. Uh, so our, uh, yeah, like Sal was saying, the next upcoming set is Arthurian Legends, which if you're familiar with the Sword in the Stone and King Arthur and Merlin, oh. yeah. So the next set, they've they've been showing uh, little sneak peeks of of artwork from the set, from artists doing, like during these conventions, artists were bringing their art to display there, and they brought like one or two pieces of art from the new set. And you don't know what the cards are going to be. You just see the art and you're like, oh my gosh, like that's really cool art. I wonder what that card is going to be. So you've been seeing art from it. We've been having like teasers about, uh, they haven't revealed anything about like, specific cards or abilities but we see these art pieces and we kind of know like oh what are the big things that are that we're going to see in Arthurian Legends we're going to see obviously like King Arthur Excalibur Excalibur Merlin uh, the Lady of the Lake Camelot or like the Knights of Camelot Knights of the Round Table I'm hoping for a lot of artifact stuff because like uh, not only do you have weapons but you're going to have Merlin and Merlin's known for having all these little contraptions and being the science you know, guy behind science as well as his magic and stuff like that. So I'm hoping for, like, rings of power that you could uh, equip or something or, like... An astrolobe. Uh, yeah, just so... So, yeah, next set is Arthurian Legends. And everyone's super excited about that. Uh, yeah, that makes me excited. I'm definitely going to save up for, like, several boxes of that one. <laughs> I, I have two boxes pre-ordered because right now Team Covenant, uh, you can pre-order Arthurian Legends already through their website. And you can even do a subscription service through them that you don't have to pay for. But when that set releases, you're automatically allocated however much you pre-order. You don't have to go through the ordering process or finding it all out. You're just automatically subscribed to like, when the next set comes out, I want Xboxes. And just as soon as it comes out, they send it to you. They charge you for it. With Team Covenant, I have two boxes ordered already. But because of my box opening experience that I had with Beta... I originally started with two boxes of beta, and then I ended up opening seven boxes now. So I can already tell that with a new set coming out, I'm going to want at least a case, especially with Arthurian Legends. I'm going to want a case. I'm going to want to open all these new cards. I'm excited for that set, so i got to go and update my pre-order from two boxes to a case. 
Um, so the other set that's coming out. So first, it, first it was going to be this mini set, and then it was going to be Arthurian Legends. But because beta got delayed, they decided that it would be better for players to have Arthurian Legends come out first to have another expansion set and grow the card base before the mini set. So the mini set comes out after Arthurian Legends, but the mini set is going to be a mini dragon set by the artist Ed Beard Jr. And we don't know how many cards it's going to be. It could be five cards. It could be 105 cards. But it's going to be fully his work, and it's going to basically be built around this world and this lore that he made for these characters that centers around the dragon lord. And he's like the creator. He's this all-knowing omnipotent dragon being that basically he harnesses the energy of the earth to create life and create dragons and it, it's it's lore and a story based around him and it's gonna have all these different things having to do with his world so anything from avatars to, to magics to creatures but it's all gonna be like dragon based so i know when i mentioned that to sal sal being a big fan of dragons was super excited about that one um so now that i mentioned those two sets since this is your first experience hearing about these sets, what are you excited about? I'm really excited about the Arthurian Archive. Arthurian Legends? Arthurian Legends, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the King Arthur type of uh, cards will be very nice because I am very much into the fantasy theme of games and uh, stories. What do you, out of all the things that you know about Arthurian Legends, like what are the stuff that you are more excited to see and hope that they make into a card from that whole lore? The Round Table. Round table. Round table with a certain amount of knights to activate some kind of special effect. So like the round table as being a site? I think that would be kind of cool. Oh, that would be cool. Or like Camelot as a site or something like that? Uh, have Maybe some kind of special win condition, get uh, knights all around yeah. nearby sites. Uh, <laughs> knights win. occupying the... the yeah. Oh, that would be cool. That would be flavor-wise. Yeah. Uh, what about Dragon Set? Any, any interest or excitement about the mini Dragon Set? The Dragon Set sounds interesting. Not as big a fan of dragons as Sal, but... I don't think any of us are <laughs> yeah he's uh, a dragon i mean we're, we're fans we're, we're fans of dragons too but well it'd be interesting to see like uh, all the different type of dragons for each element elemental see, dragons yeah see what yeah, kind cool. of twist that they do instead of just one type of dragon for mostly just like a, a mm-hmm. fire mana because we got three right three, what, right three now, dragons in the set we got the, the current set colicky dragonettes we've got east west dragon and ancient dragon and ancient dragon yeah, uh, I think that I think that's it. Yeah. So I'm interested to see if they go the route of magic, where each color. I mean, obviously they're gonna have the element ones, but like each dragon has something specific about it that uh, fully embodies the element that it's from. So like the fire one will do something fire related, uh, you know, kind of like Holly Dragonettes, and then the earth one will do. Like, I'm excited to see what they what abilities they give to like the elemental dragons yeah. in that. It'd be set. really cool if we got like a colorless spirit dragon. Kind of like uh, Ugin was just—he was just a ghost, yeah. basically. So he didn't really have any colored mana, but or maybe like we could get a robot dragon. I don't know exactly Atom- how uh, how that would tie in with like the magic. Like maybe I don't know. He took a physics class or something. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, working on a science pro- fair project. 
<laughs> well, they have they have the um, the gargoyle, which the gargoyle is able to go back and forth between being a minion and being. It says artifact, but I think they're going to kind of work on changing that so that it's officially a monument because as an artifact, it can technically be carried by opponents, and then mm-hmm. when you when you carry an artifact, you are then the controller of it. So they're, they they didn't intend on that, so I think they're going to ratify that to be a, a monument card. But you see that one going in between like artifact and, and creature, so I'm sure they could have something to do with like either one that turns in, that is an artifact or one because they have they don't have anything that's colorless and just no element so it'd be interesting to see them do something like that that isn't an artifact but it's still like a, a non-element uh, well actually they do they have from, um, uh, yeah they artifact? have uh wicker man wicker yeah wicker, yeah, wicker man and scarecrow yeah i think he he and the scarecrow yeah are the only two so they do have i forgot uh, about those guys. Are they i don't play them <laughs> uh the wicker mannequin i Believe is not an artifact. It's a spellcaster. I've been sorting my commons by like alphabetically and by color. So I, oh, yeah. I've, I've been looking at these stupid things for a lot. <laughs> the uh, yeah, I, I, I because I haven't played them or even seen them played very often. Uh, I I know I think the scarecrow is an artifact, but not the wicker mannequin. But I could be entirely wrong. But yes, so going back to you with the dragon set and the Arthurian legends. What are you excited about seeing in those sets, or what do you hope we see in those sets? So I, I think everybody is looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with uh, Excalibur, obviously. Maybe some kind of theme with knights, tying all those together. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to see what they would do with like a rainbow dragon, where it's, it's all colors. Oh, you need one of each yeah, uh, threshold. Uh, there's there's actually a, a card game that we used to play at the college a lot uh, called Seven Dragons and there was there was a rainbow dragon and they had like seven different color dragons and it was like almost dominoes yeah but uh, that was that was a pretty fun game but it would be ni- uh, neat to see a uh, a rainbow dragon yeah they don't they don't have a whole lot of stuff that um, I mean like they don't they don't have they don't have anything right now that's multicolor. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I'm excited to see if they touch on that in Arthurian Legends is introducing multi-element cards where you have to have, you know, two mana, a fire threshold, and a water threshold in order to cast this. Or a dragon, like you said, that's like six mana, and you have to have one of each threshold. Because right now, the easiest way to get multiple threshold is play Elementalist. But not a lot of people are really playing Elementalist. That's probably one of the lower or least popular ones played, but it's very powerful because it gives you one of each elemental threshold, but unless you're playing like a four element control deck or something like that, there's not a reason to have that. Like you're not utilizing that to cast things right now because there aren't multi-element yeah. things to cast. But once I, you have I tried, that, I tried elementalist. Yeah. It didn't work out very well. Um, I think, again, we keep going back to this, but I think once we get another set or maybe two sets in, elementalist might be a lot better later on once we have a huge card mm-hmm. pool. Um, but I, yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one. We'll see how those uh, the avatar stocks go up and down. I'm excited to see what avatars they get in um, Arthurian Legends and the Dragon set because if we get like Dragon Matters avatars or like uh, Artifacts Matter kind of avatar in Arthurian Legends or something that cares about soldiers having multiple soldiers, we don't really have a Something Matters avatar per se right now. So it'll be very interesting to see. Like the closest thing we have is Battle Mage, where you're just gonna like Tron style it, where you or not Tron, um, Voltron uh, as far as Magic turns, where you just want to build up all this stuff on him, but it's not like it, it matters 
Avengers, really. So it'd be cool to see if we get something like that with the new sets. We have, like, the, the Mage Slayer. It kind of, it like, you need spellcasters, I guess. Oh, yeah. And the, there was the, you were telling me about a humans or immortals. Mm-hmm. Something about mortals. If you have mortals, you do something. Or oh, there's you, some. You bring back mortals from the graveyard or something like that. There's, there's a handful of cards that have, um, that deal with the mortals subtype. So I think mortals right now are the only type uh, that is, like, highly uh, supported right now because you have King of the Realm uh, that ki- that you control all mortals. You have Call of War where you can find an exceptional mortal. You have uh, was it body royal bodyguard that cares about the royalty. Also miracle workers. Mir- uh, miracle worker. Well, that one doesn't necessarily care about uh, mortals, but it is a mortal oh, yeah, and yeah. it's a very powerful effect. Yeah, right. So you see a lot of mortal support. So it would be it would be cool to see more. Uh, I guess tribal stuff come out later where it's like because I think the only dragon the card that the only card that cares about dragons right now is um, dragons. Is it dragons fire? Dragons yeah, breath, dragons fire, dragon or something, like or something like that. So it'd be cool to see more tribal stuff come out in upcoming sets, which I'm excited about. All right, so we'll we'll go into the uh, the next thing here because I know that you said you just recently. I think you were the one who most recently opened up a box uh, of beta when you first got it the other day. So I know you pulled some fire. So we're going to start with you on this subject. How has your box opening experiences been? Uh, tell us about like what you were excited about, your opening experience, what you pulled, just what you think about the, you know what about the whole opening experience and box experience so far. Well, my first box. I was excited because I finally got my hands on some sorcery. Decent pool. I got Aquarian Core and a few um, other things. Aqua, that, aquamarine? Yeah, core? Aqu- yeah, Aquamarine Core. Other things I didn't really pull too much of. They told me of a Curio, was it? Which one? Like, oh, uh, Curios. Yeah, Curios. Yeah. Looking at your ordinaries and see if the, any of them are not ordinaries. Uh-huh. It's supposed to be the special artwork or something. Uh, yeah, it's it's most of them are like an alternative art to a certain extent. There's a, a couple of them that are just a very slight alteration to the wording of it, which are really hard to find. And one of them is the ordinary, where it's like guttering versus flickering. Yeah, for that one. But then I did get my first Blizzard foil that was yeah, also blink. Bliz, bliz, blizzink. <laughs> yeah, the blizzink. Blinkzard. Or whatever it is. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Again, I misprinted that. My second box. Oh, oh my God. Dang it. Game thing in the first pack, really. But second and third got a dang uh, foster stone in yeah. each. I remember we, me and Sal were at work working on a project. And uh, you sent me a picture of two stones. And you were like, this was my second and third pack. And I just looked at Sal. I'm like, this guy. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't I can't say on here because we're trying to keep family friendly. So I won't say exactly what I said to Sal. But uh, yeah, pretty much just like, holy, holy crap, man. Like, you you definitely got the luck from your first box dumped into your second one. Cause, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you pulled um, some other foil, some other really good foil stuff. I think foil yeah, elites. Primordial spring foil. Primordial spring, and you got um, the the Nimbus Gin. Uh, or was that from your first box? I know Nimbus you, Gin was really from the stuff. first one. I mean, his first box was pretty good too. You still got a core. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What about you, Sal? You you've opened, I think, up almost an, uh, this next coming box will make I, it. Seven. I have my seventh box uh, is waiting in the next town over right now. It's <sighs> sitting in the post office. I was hoping it was going to get here. Today, so we. We originally intended, oh, no. we were hoping that your box would come in and we can like open, you, we can have you opening <laughs> packs here at the table while we're doing the interview questions and talking and stuff. And all of a sudden interrupted with like, oh my gosh, you pulled a foil this. Or, uh, but yeah, I didn't make it in time. But uh, um, my, my first box, uh, my first box had two cores. 
And it, it, it was funny because I'm just, I don't know what anything is worth. And uh, I have Kev over here sitting next to me as I'm opening packs. He's like, oh, you pulled this, you pulled that. And I'm just looking at it like, uh, okay, <laughs> okay. It, I, I guess it's good. <laughs> but uh, I, I got two cores in that box. You're like, um, what is this? It says core. This is a junk <laughs> card, right? Yeah. And my my second box also had two cores. So at That's this right. point, it skewed my expectations of, you know, what you're going to open in a box. And so when I opened my third box, I was expecting two cores and got none. <laughs> so I go to my fourth box, I like, okay, the, that I one think the was the third box was supposed to be your last one, and then you're like, I didn't yeah. get cores, so then you were just like, I need another box. Yeah, it was like, I hope I get all four cores now, because I, I think I had two Onyx and, like, one of the others, and I had no... I was Doritoless. I had no Doritos. No, no so I was like, core. my third box, I, I hope one of my two cores is going to be the fire core, so I'll have one of each. No cores. It's like, damn it. Well, maybe that one was a dud. So I'll buy another box. No cores. My fifth box <laughs> had like one core and then the next box had none. I was so mad. <laughs> so I was like, I'm getting another one and that's it. That's final. <laughs> See, out of my seven boxes, my first two boxes and also no had... no Philosopher's Stones. Oh, yeah. No. Jesse. <laughs> Mr. Two Box, Two Stones, and us with seven boxes. I didn't pull a single Philosopher's Stone either. Seven boxes deep. But I had the same thing as you, where my first two boxes each had two cores. But my two cores were the exact same. Uh, I had the, uh, what was it, the uh, Aquamarine core and the Onyx core. And I used the extra uh, Aqua that I had to trade for um, one of the other ones. I think the Amethyst. And then I didn't have the Ruby one yet. My last box, I actually pulled a foil one out of there, which yeah, I was, was pretty I was pretty excited about. That was that was really really cool. Um, so that's the only foil core that I've pulled. But uh, now I'm now I have all the. I mean, I have all the alpha ones, which was really cool because I I went out on alpha a little bit and, and bought that <laughs> stuff. Um, but uh, now we now I think most of us. Well, you're still working on your cores, Jesse. But I think Sal yeah. at this point is almost done with his. You're just trying to hunt a, a stone as well, right? Yeah, I need a couple stones. I, I have one of each core now. Uh, two two onyx and the one of each of the other ones. Yeah. So yeah. Gonna, I mostly bought two cores, one onyx, one ruby, just so I can have them in my deck if I ever go into a tournament play. Yeah, oh, yeah, you definitely want paper copies. So we're we're seeing if Sal pulls a, a stone in his next box before he ends up shelling out cash for one like I I did. But I, I yeah I, I I had to stop myself at I was gonna stop at six boxes and then the Black Friday things <laughs> I got tempted and, and got another box and but I'm I'm done now. Didn't pull a curio, didn't pull any of that stuff. But I got that foil Dorito, that spicy hot uh, flaming Dorito. I was happy with that one. So staying on the topic of boxes and 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 pulls and all that stuff, foils. What is your impression? What was your first impression? about the and, and current thoughts about the art for the game as far as being like hand-painted art seeing all these different cards in front of you now that you've actually seen all the cards in person what are your thoughts on the art and then the foils what are your thoughts on the foils the fact that it's like really beautiful foiling on the front and then that full art on the back um thoughts jesse i love all the artwork it brings back like a victorian age style of art for me just beautiful and then the foiling oh my god it is so beautiful like i just want a copy of every card just yeah. for a private binder as we all do <laughs> yeah uh, it definitely reminds me of Yu-Gi-Oh uh, foiling at times how so uh so the earlier day Yu-Gi-Oh cards i remember them having like the all the words be 
or some of the words be foiled out in a silver borderline or something like that. Oh, so you like the raised? Yeah, the raised, the raised silver foiling. foiling of the words. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that when I first opened up my packs. The fact that it's like, what do you call it, embossed? Embossed, embossed? yeah, raised foiling, the cold foiling process. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Do you like what they, because I didn't, and we'll get to Sal in a second, I think we shared the same initial thoughts, but I think you're still stuck on it more than I am. <laughs> but what do you, Jesse, think of the full art being on the back instead of like the normal card back? The full art is really nice because some of the artwork cards that Magic has, I've been enjoying trying to collect some of those as well. And then if one of them is a commander I'm using, I'll put that on the back side of my commander and mm-hmm. just... Have that on the battlefield <laughs> instead. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Sal? Uh, I I do like the foiling process. I like how uh, it it is embossed, and that's that's really really beautiful for some of them. But I I don't like the the full art back. I if you're gonna use like clear sleeves, you just can't you, you can't use them. You can't have any foils in your deck because you'll see it on the top and be like, oh, I guess I'm drawing a lightning bolt next turn. <laughs> yeah. I, I usually don't like uh, when card games change the back. Obviously, um, sites and spells have different backs, but that's okay because they have separate decks. Yeah. But when you get two cards in the same deck having a different back, um, even some of the the printing um, is irregular. With beta. like some cards will be really, really dark. Some will be really, really I saw, light. I don't know if that's like separate print runs or if they have different um, print locations. Like I don't know if they have one printing press or if they use different ones in Europe and uh, the United States. Well, they're they're all printed in China. All of them? Yeah. Oh, well, then it's probably believe, just a different so, print yeah. run. Um, like maybe one day they had too much ink or something. I don't know. Yeah, my first box or two, I think, when I opened them, I saw a huge variance in the like coloring of the backs, more so than the yeah. front of the cards. Like the back, the game's early. They they'll hammer that stuff yeah. out in the next set. Um, I mean, the the back having full art is a cool idea. I, I like um, I like the idea of it, but like practicality, I I don't really yeah. like that the back is different. You have the artistic appreciation for the back yeah. being full art and, and beautiful on a collector. Yeah. In a collector sense, but like but when you like actually play last it. last deck I made, I only had clear sleeves, and so <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I I have to either change the sleeves or I can't use foils in this deck. And it, if you guys don't know me, I love my foils. I have to have foils. So uh, that was a really really hard choice to make. Um, so I I ordered some uh, dragon shields. I ordered the, uh, the there's the black perfect fit dragon shields. Okay. So I have the clear matte dragon shields. Mm-hmm. So the black perfect fits will go inside the clear the matte, and it, it looks it looks clean. I, I remember like you showing me those. I see. I I'm in the same boat as you, where I love the foils, and I started buying a lot of the cheaper foils uh, as they're dropping lower because I just want play sets of everything mm-hmm. all foiled out, especially like the staple cards, stuff like Burry, Drown, the Wolves. You know, as much mm-hmm. as <laughs> if I can get my hands on multiple Wolves. But yeah, I, when I started building decks too, I ran into that problem where the sleeves. I was even getting name brand sleeves and some of the dragon shields and stuff mm-hmm. you can slightly see through especially the lighter colors yeah um and even on some browns and any and ultra pro stuff. sleeves are gonna be too uh see-through yeah like even you can still kind color. of barely yeah see it which sucks because i want to use mm-hmm. the foiled cards um so finally i i, I got the dragon shield uh, what is it the dual matte Mm-hmm. So it's like black on the back. Yeah. So you can't see those at all, but they only have, I think, four or five color options. 
for those, and I haven't looked elsewhere besides Dragon Shield um, for those yet, but if I end up... There's there's certain decks that I made where I'm okay with not using foil in because they're like my for fun decks um, or not part of my top three decks that I'm building or whatever. I think my top decks that I that I am really happy to play and are my go-to decks, I might work on blinging those out. But my other ones I'm okay with not putting a lot of foil, if, if any foils, in there. So those ones I'll, I'll probably use like the cheaper sleeves that you can kind of see through and save the nicer sleeves. Yeah, I, I think uh, the other night Jesse texted me and he's like, I'm going to get one of each foil as like, good luck with that. <laughs> Especially, yeah, I mean, it's some of the beta foil, foils are... Yeah, foil phylostone, foil cores, that's uh, going to be like, oh, you could buy I think, a car. Well, I, I, pulled, I pulled that ruby one and it's sitting around like three to 400 yeah, right I now. Yeah, the foil flosser stone, it's over uh, 1,500. Yeah, and the alpha one is like... <laughs> It's up there, like several thousand. Yeah. Um, Hopefully I can play my next box. (laughs) I I hope they don't change anything with the foiling as far as, you know, we've seen other card games, um, notably Magic, has been uh, experimenting with different foiling processes in the game. And now you have everything from oil slick to confetti to, you know, all these different styles. I'm wondering if Sorcery might ever try to do that or just stick with this is foil, it's not going to change, which I would be happy either way. But if they do experiment with it, I don't want to see, like, all these different types. But I'm happy if yeah, they just I agree completely... with you. I don't want to see all these different types. Yeah. Just keep the foiling to one style. You've chosen this one. This is amazing that I love so much. They'll, they'll probably give it a few years for people to get used to it. And once, once that happens, they'll probably introduce something new to keep people interested but mm-hmm. yeah it'll probably stay the same for a while i did like that they added some differences in the foiling for certain cards so some cards are just completely like the whole surface is foiled other cards like the um i think it's a phantom steed the the blue running horse only the main and like parts of the horse mm-hmm. are foiled the rest of the card is not so i like that they accented certain ones and in the, in the um the foil wolves the wolves each have like different colored eyes that are foiled, which is like That's just tiny little, oh, tiny little effects. I, I just ordered a foil wolf. We have a copy of it right now. Oh, you got one? Yeah. Yeah, so you could see like that one has different color than that one. Or like maybe they, they change colors. They just change the colors when you where you hold it. Yeah. So it's such like small little things like that. And, and even right here with Dispel, like they have more accent in the broken shards of glass coming off. So mm-hmm. those like change colors. So I really like that they're doing accents and uh, emphasizing certain parts of the card and stuff like that. So I, I like what they're doing with foil. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool that you guys are enjoying that. Except for the, the blink, the blink blizzard. Uh, <laughs> my gosh, that was just funny. That was a whole, whole thing like that. It, you know, I, I've been uh, subscribed to the um, sorcery subreddit and it's so funny because every like every day somebody posts, "Hey, I found this this uh, misprint card. It's supposed to say blink, but it says yeah. Blizzard." And everybody in the comments is just like, "Yeah, we know." <laughs> well, I I was wondering when we first started seeing them because it was exciting to see what we were going to see in beta when people started first opening the boxes because you know we were looking for all the curios and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and then people started opening those. And everyone was like, oh, that sucks. Like, some of them, maybe it's like a handful of sheets. How rare is this going to be? And then, like, every single person that started opening <laughs> yeah. the Blink or the Blizzard was and posting And now they're, this. like, 20 bucks. And, and then we realized, oh, it's 
all of them, every single one, it goes back to the actual file that they used for it got mixed mm-hmm. up. And then, uh, so I still, I, I still ended up ordering a couple. And then I, one of them, I'm hoping to trade uh, yeah. with you, Mr. Jesse, for, for one of them. I, I kind of want a place that of each just because I think they're interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, regardless, they, they have a lot of cool stuff that they're doing with foiling. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what they do uh, with that stuff because they have some really beautiful things. So you had a good box opening experience. Uh, you started off before you even had cards. I know. I talked I ended up talking you guys into playing online uh on the tabletop simulator how was that experience I know Jesse I kind of had the or Jesse I didn't have to convince you quite as much you just had to set it up and everything Sal I know I had to kind of twist your arm a little bit because (laughs) you're more of a physical hands-on player and uh I really just wanted to play constructed with you and and see what you were going to build with these decks how was your guys's experience learning tabletop simulator you know it has a little bit of a learning curve how was your experience learning about it and just playing on it because I know at this point we've played a handful of times I think I've played Jesse actually I think by now I've, I've played with you guys about the same amount of times what was your experience with tabletop simulator and how do you like it obviously we like the paper play better but um how do you like the online experience with all that the online gameplay with like tabletop simulator was interesting trying to understand like all the little short keys hot keys yeah the hot keys for the shortcuts and things that was interesting to try to learn and then the moment you like actually fat finger something or, or click something wrong, and <laughs> the table flips or you ended <laughs> yeah. up drawing 13 cards. And I, I recently learned how to reset that. And it goes back to like the last, it has like little mini autosave points or whatever. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I know we ran into some issues with that. Do you, it seems like you caught on pretty quick because you, you do online you know, gaming is something. I caught so it pretty quick because I was used to on there for 30 minutes by myself just trying to mess around <laughs> or do things. Uh, but at this point, we've, we've played uh, a handful of games. Um, how do you like playing it? Is it something that you would still want to play here and there, even though you have the physical product? Or is it something that you only played until you got the physical product and now you're kind of not really going to lean on it much? Playing on like top Simulator helps a lot because it allows me to play, uh, test play some decks that I'm trying to learn. Cards that you don't have in your inventory. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to test play several cards uh, in a deck until I actually decided what I want to build for my specific deck. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sal? Um, I know I had to work well, you, a lot harder. You mentioned uh, earlier that it was a little more difficult for me uh-huh. because uh, we're more having technical difficulties than me just not wanting to use it. Um, I I had I didn't have home internet when yeah. we first started playing. Uh, I just had my phone and my hotspot, and it the internet just wasn't strong enough. And uh, we. <laughs> All three of us live out in the woods, basically up on a mountain. So our internet out here is basically non-existent, depending on where you go. And uh, so we tried uh, using our work computers. We I, I brought my laptop to work to use their internet, and even that wasn't good enough, and it kept uh, dropping dropping the connection. So <laughs> I think when you Jesse, first logged in, um, you saw all gray. Yeah. Like without it loading in the uh, yeah, actual there textures. Nothing. There was no textures. And you're like, what am I looking at? I'm like, don't you see the play mat? And you're like, I see a gray box. I'm like, don't you see the yeah, cards? I sent you, like, I I sent you like a, a, a screenshot of it. And finally, um, like halfway through trying to figure out what was going on, it, it everything had loaded and then all the textures were there. And I was like, oh, well, there it goes. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me during the game I was playing with Kev. You've got to have your laptop charge or fan underneath and oh, just yeah. completely shut off the, my, of the game. My fan, my uh, <laughs> laptop has been having overheating issues and uh, it works fine as long as I have the fan boost on. Uh, but I think I got to check out the, the GPU. I think it's having issues. But yeah, I didn't notice that the, or maybe 
maybe that was early in when I started noticing it, but because I didn't have the fan boost on, we were like halfway through our game and all of a sudden I got a blue screen that had overheated. I'm like, oh, because we were uh, on Discord and then it just like cut off. And then I texted you and I'm like, laptop froze, overheated, have to restart. And then I think it saved our progress or we just ended up starting over or something like that. Uh, it saved the progress because I was still the host. Okay, yeah. As long as you're the host. And then with you, Sal, I think we spent an hour just trying to troubleshoot the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it just it kept dying like in the middle of the game and I'd have to log back in and it, it was really frustrating but uh, a few weeks ago I actually got some pretty good home internet so my my internet speeds went from six kilobytes per second to 18 megabytes per second so it's a it, I, I think everyone we played one with, game and it actually went smoothly yeah everyone at home with their google fiber and, and all that getting a gig is 20 these, megs? What are they? These kids these days and their internet. <laughs> um, is it... So we discussed, like, one of the positives and, and obviously one of the good things about playing online is you can have free access to the whole card database and you can try out different decks before you decide to build it and try out these possibly more expensive cards and have play, buy playsets of these before you invest in it. Is that something that you still find attractive about the online version? Are you still wanting to participate online and use it for practice and stuff? Or are you going to kind of lean more towards a physical product to just buy what you need? So. Yeah, I, I see it more as like a deck building tool. I don't really want to interact with all these other people online playing games and stuff. I'd rather play paper with mm-hmm. somebody sitting across from me. But um, I think if they, if they either make their own program instead of using the... Um, Tabletop, tabletop simulator, simulator and just make it clean simple um maybe uh, we don't really need less shortcuts but like just make it look more user friendly yeah and, and i think i would like that more we obviously all want it to be like magic arena but it's not gonna i mean we're not gonna use something like that for magic online even. I, I would be happy if somebody now you uh web builders out there pay attention I would love if somebody made a copy of tappedout.net. I think it is tappedout.net. They have this, um, They well, obviously it's a deck list website where you, you put your cards in the list and it's like HTML format or, or uh, whatever it is. But you have a playtest button and it's just, you can drag the cards around, you tap them, you click on the card and it taps it. Um, Gives you like practice hands. Yeah, I would love something like that. Not for playing with other people, but for playtesting. Because um, obviously some of these cards are like $20, $30 each. Uh, <laughs> you got cores and stuff. <laughs> That's before you yeah. even tap into alpha. But like, I, I know before I make a deck whether I want to have cores in the deck or not. Yeah. But other cards where it's like, I'm going to need three of this card and it's... 30 bucks, I would like to play test the deck a bit, just goldfish it and see if I want to make that deck. Or maybe the deck won't work the way I think it's going to. Um, and yeah, that would be nice. And you can't really do that on Tabletop Simulator. You gotta mm-hmm. wade through all this stuff, get it loaded, and hope it doesn't die. <laughs> Not well, my internet's good now, so that's one less factor towards it dying, but it's still a very bloated program. Mm-hmm. And I know, Jesse, you're working on building a handful of decks now that you are have your hands on the product. Uh, are you excited to be able to uh, play these online and test them out and stuff with us before you build? And are you have, do you have any interest playing online 
with other people or just in general with me and you, uh, with us, or is it more of like Sal said, where you just kind of want to use it for practice play and trying out decks before you build them in paper, but you're not really going to do much with it? Yeah, more leaning towards on the practice and build deck in part. Be nice to play online once in a while, but like I'm really skittish of talking to new people about yeah. this game because I really don't know and I don't want some jerk out there that's very toxic and he's like, no, it just play like that. I'm, like, I'm sorry, I'm just new. Um, <laughs> like, I don't want someone to ruin my gameplay right now. Do you guys have any interest in the... Because um, right now they're doing like the leagues and stuff, league play. I know I, I kind of discussed briefly with you guys the whole concept of the league. And uh, Ira, one of the game designers, is putting on the league and it's kind of his own little project. But it's the most unofficial... Uh, it's the most official, unofficial, competitive scene that we have that is somewhat supported while not being officially supported because uh, the company does like give them price support a little bit and we have a lot of people donating but it's like the closest thing we have to like an online season type thing do you guys have any interest in that or is that not really your scene would you rather do, wait until you can do tournaments and paper probably do tournaments and paper for me because i got a job that takes a lot of time for me daily and you work night shifts and, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> My job right now is not really ideal for perfect times on keeping up with leagues and stuff like that. Yeah. What about you, Sal? I I think I'm uh, at a point where I've made a couple decks. Uh, I wouldn't mind playing like in a league setting. Uh, I I probably won't hop on and let's see who wants to play sorcery tonight. I I probably won't just play random games with people, but in a league, I I think I'd like to try that out. I'll make sure to notify you when season four (laughs) comes out. I think it should be in January, I believe it is, January or February. I think you said January uh, season four is out. And you basically just play eight games. Every game has to be with a unique opponent. You can decide right off the bat if you want best out of one or if you want to play best of three. Um, You don't have to do either way, at least not yet. Uh, You report your match, win or loss, and then if you're in the final cut, you go into the the finals and stuff like that. Um, So I'll make sure to tell you, and Jesse, at that point, if your schedule, you know, if you do have any interest in joining the season because you could do like you can win price support you can win some cool stuff they're probably going to increase their stuff later yeah um, it seems to be picking up i had fun in, in season three i didn't get very far um i think i won i think my actually i, I think i won half of my games i think it was like either three three and five or four and four no i, was, I think it was three and five i won a few but that was that was early on when i was <laughs> young and ignorant and didn't know the ways of the, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm slowly starting to learn the meta and learn how the interactions go and just I thought coming from a magic background was going to help me in like competitive play but it just completely changes it because you're you're learning what is good about what what cards to counter against what um, I know Sal we had briefly discussed this last time we played where you're just like I don't have anything in my deck that interacts with battle mage when we were facing me with battle mage <laughs> yeah. so I'm like that's you need to build your decks where you at least have like if you're not building your deck where you at least have one or two cards that is good against any type of avatar, regardless of what it is. It can interact with like auras and artifacts. You at least need to have an idea of like how to alter your playstyle to go against those guys. So like I showed you in Battle Mage, because I'm going aggro, you're not necessarily going to want to push forward with your sights. You're going to want to lean back and be more defensive and not align yourself up with my projectile stuff and so even if you don't have cards that are effective or, or specifically good against those decks, just learning how to like alter your playstyle against those things um, is the way to go. So 
Uh, I know you guys probably don't have too much experience playing against uh, certain avatars, but what decks and what avatars have you gone against lately that you feel are, are memorable or, or uh, notable? And uh, what are your favorite avatars and kind of deck archetypes that you're playing right now? Jesse, we'll start with you. All right. Well, I mostly just like the Death Speaker, but I've tried the Alpha Precons and... They were pretty interesting. You said you liked the Earth one. Yeah, the Earth one deck was pretty nice. Then I tried the Fire one. That one was pretty nice, interesting gameplay, too. This reminds me of a Magic Burn yeah. deck. You haven't got a chance to try the beta Elemental Avatars yet, have you? No, I haven't. No. I have a box. I just haven't had time yeah. to play them yet. So you, you pretty much haven't ventured too far from Death Speaker. At this point, you're just wanting to settle on one and get like really good and familiar with it before you start branching out with like all these other ones. Yeah. Okay. But I have tried the Pathfinder one with a semi okayish deck. Mm-hmm. It was like I think we played online. Yeah, we played online one. with that one. We just it's just just a deck that someone else made, and I just copied it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, stuff that they had at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't really go much into detail. The Death Speaker one. You helped me with a link on a set of cards for it, and then I just tweaked it to more of my play style mm-hmm. that I'm more familiar with playing with Magic. Since then, I've changed that deck list, too, to go from two-color to three-color, oh, okay. uh, which I, I, I've, I've enjoyed. Um, what about you, Sal? What what stuff or what avatars uh, have you connected with the most? Which ones do you enjoy? And do you have any noticeable, uh, mentionable matches that you've had against whether me or, or one of us that uh, you just have like an instant dislike playing against certain avatars? <laughs> um, well, we we have talked at length because we we both work together, so we're uh, we're, <laughs> As we're listeners probably <laughs> we have free time. Now. We play sorcery and. Uh, I, I played against your your battle mage a few times, and I've kind of figured out how the deck works because I wanted to make one myself, and uh, it it did kind of frustrate me that our decks are basically the same deck, and obviously there's going to be some differences, some wiggle room, but like most of the deck is the same, uh, just because of the limited card pool, and it was really frustrating with the decks that I made, where it's like I I can't really get away from you. And it's, it's one, once you get in and just start punching me, it's just like the, the game's over. I can't do anything to stop you. Uh, there's just not really any interaction for me. I think if if we were to have some kind of instant speed defensive spells, Besides, like obviously we have dodge roll, dodge which didn't do anything for me. We definitely need more instant speed yeah. reactions. Yeah. If, if I could have an unsummon... And just like, oh hell no! Just put you back to the starting point. That would be amazing. Well, we have, and we're also talking. I I mentioned uh, trap cards. Like if we could, oh, like yeah. just pay three generic mana, set a card face down, and like it has some kind of trigger. So whenever you like you do something and it flips up and does some ability, that would be great in just giving me some kind of interaction on your turn. For when you're doing stuff to me. Otherwise, I just sit here and watch you punch me and then I die. You know, trap, <laughs> missing trap cards, like, that does make sense in this game because you can put it underneath the land. Yeah. It's hidden. And just set it on the, the like, field. Your opponent knows about it, but they can also forget that there's something there. So it's, it's funny that you bring <laughs> that up because recently, the other day, that came up in a discussion that I was part of on Discord where people had brought up, like, oh, it'd be cool to have trap cards where... It's exactly that. Like, you put it under a site or you even have it face down. And then I'm like, is that going to be too much like Yu-Gi-Oh? Or would that actually be cool in this game? I mean, it it does. It is evocative of Yu-Gi-Oh, but 
if you look at it more Someone thinks, through, like, oh, you activated my trap card. If, if you look at it more through the lens of uh, Dungeons & Dragons traps that you mm. set for your opponent... Exactly. It, it's not like, ha, huh, you've activated my mirror force. It's like, ha, huh, you stepped in my bear trap. Your creature takes two damage, and like obviously if a giant was to step on it, it wouldn't really hurt it. But if oh. your, your snake went across it, it's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Gorilla Warfare, just be ambushed. Ooh, ambushed ambush, yeah. spell. Oh. In in the Vietnam expansion coming out next summer, <laughs> <laughs> they're in the trees. <laughs> um, so we do see some things that are like almost trap cards. You do have certain sites that like bottomless pit where yeah. if, if something gets moved in there or forcefully like dragged into it, it dies. And then you have minions that are kind of trap-esque, like uh, awakened mummies where you cast a buried, and if something moves across it, it can move up to intercept or root spider. I mean, you do that on your turn, but you can like cast it underneath and does something. We don't really have things that trigger on the yeah, opponent. Like all those things, your opponent sees it coming. Yeah. They could just not go <clears throat> in that square. A lot of people are currently, at the time of recording, uh, I see a lot of chatter online about people wondering if upcoming sets are going to involve any more interaction on the opponent's turn because I showed you, Sal, I, I don't remember if I showed you yet, Jesse, but... Some of the sample cards from early playtesting involved, like, counterspell stuff. But they thought that that was too broken or or too overpowered, and they didn't want it to feel like magic, where you have your whole turn set up, and you do all these things only to be told, like, cancel that. (laughs) And you're like, dang it, I just... Like, it's a feel-bad moment when you're trying to do something on your turn, and then it gets completely shot down and canceled. They didn't want that same feel-bad moment... Uh, and, and so they, they took that away, at least uh, from Alpha and Beta Set, and they just want it to be more like chess, where I do a thing, then you do a thing, save for dodge roll. But because we have dodge roll, it opens it up to those possibilities, especially since they did have those kind of cards. And yeah. there is talk about them working that in with very limited, like, oh, uh, counter an exceptional spell cast nearby, or, you know, um, counter target earth minion with two threshold you know they're mm-hmm. they're talk they're well i mean the company's not officially talking about it but people are speculating that they might look into very limited precise scenario type of stuff like that to yeah. introduce that but it feels like they don't want a lot of interaction on the opponent's turn they want to keep it yeah. like i do a thing then you do a thing it is called sorcery and magic is sorcery you know you have the sorcery <laughs> speed and yeah. magic so people but have joked when, about when that. you're when you have like uh you have a game, there needs to be some kind of balancing elements to the game. And with we were talking about uh, Battle Mage in specific, there needs to be a, a counter to Battle Mage. Mm-hmm. There needs to be something where, like I mentioned, Unsummon, or an instant speed teleport for like something's... You're, I mean, you're getting surrounded. We, we you kind of do that. have instant speed teleport. It's well, dodge roll. And, and, yeah, that didn't help me when I was playing <laughs> against you because you weren't using... Uh, uh, you are using doing strikes. You're using um, the fire, the, oh, the flame, new beta fire avatar. Yeah, yeah. And I had a, I had a dodge roll from my starting hand, and I was never able to cast it because you never attacked me. Yeah. It was so uh, so. Obviously, you you have certain feelings uh, against battle mage, but you actually you went and built your own yeah battle mage deck. And I, I was planning on building one before uh, before you made yours. Um, the two two decks 
that I wanted to make after my fire was a wolf deck, uh, which I, I think was a lot more successful than the yeah. other two decks I made. Yeah. And I wanted to make a battle mage just because it looked interesting. But I, I do think they need to have something for people to combat battle mage a bit. Or it, just it, in general, it, just aggro. I'm not going to say it's too powerful. It's not over overpowered. It's not broken. Well, Avatar, it is good. Alpha Avatar of Earth plays similar to Battle Mage too. It's yeah. very aggressive in your face and it's one of the few other avatars that you're actually attacking with the avatar. Yeah. So you're you're just hoping that they present something in the deck that allows you a little bit more protection against very aggressive aggro playtimes. And not, not just Battle Mage in general. Like if you have a really, really big creature and you attack me with that, I'd like something to either put it back in your hand or if it's an avatar, return it to the starting point. Something like that. Something to give me a little more versatility and interaction other than just watching you do stuff and <laughs> not being able to do anything so do you, about it. I mean, so, as it is so far, I mean, are you guys enjoying gameplay? Yeah. Going back and forth? Yeah. I've been enjoying it so far. Yeah. Besides Death Speaker, do you have one that you're aiming for to make next? My next one would probably be a Pathfinder one because I did pull several cards for the sites for that one. So it'd be perfect. And I did pull Pathfinder as well. Yeah. yeah, that was another one of your good pulls. Have you looked at Geomancer at all yet and how that compares? I looked a little bit at it and it does sound good. So I might be making that one as my third one. They, they play very similarly. The only thing is Pathfinder gives more movement because as you play that site, you move to that site. But you're also not drawing sites in the beginning of your hand uh, when you do your opening hand. And you're limited to one site, one of each site in your Atlas deck with Pathfinder. Whereas Geomancer, you can have as many as you want of different sites. And you do get to draw sites in your opening hand, but you don't get that movement that you get with Pathfinder. So it'd be interesting to see you try both of them out. We could try them on Tabletop Simulator and see which one is better. I'm very unfamiliar with uh, Geomancer right now. Mm -hmm. I was like, I get a feeling like I might be able to like destroy your sights. It, it plays a lot more into the rubble so thing, yeah. It'd be land take, destruction, like yeah, like taking over your lands pretty much is uh, what it's giving me the idea. You of. would build a deck like that, <laughs> <laughs> conquer worm and land deed, and yeah. Um, so, what is some stuff that you hope to see? I mean, we we briefly talked about Arthurian legends and the dragon set. Um, as far as what what cards you hope to see in those sets, we talked about what you hope to see thematically. But as far as in the, the near future of sorcery altogether, Sal, I guess this kind of goes briefly off of what you're talking. You're hoping to see more available interaction that you could possibly do on the opponent's turn. Yeah. Um, aside from that, like, what are you guys hoping to see? It, it doesn't even necessarily have to be specific types of cards. It could be the game in general or, or what they're doing at the events or what they're doing with support for, for players and play network stuff that they're doing, uh, the dust reward system. Um, what are you hoping to see from the game that you're hoping happens with the game or, or products or card development? Or what are you hoping to see in the near future for sorcery and kind of the development of this community and this game? Do you have anything that you are kind of hoping it does, it kind of works towards, or, or what are you feeling? The possibilities are all out there. But uh, some of the future creatures probably have them be like dual threshold. Dual uh, threshold stuff. Yeah, because right now we've just... Have mono threshold for all the creatures. Like it needs a little bit more. Switch it up a bit. Yeah, switch Give it more up. incentive for color pairing. Yeah, because this game with all the different avatars, it can go a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. But with the dual threshold creatures or spells, like it can even open up to a lot more. 
And I think you're, from what you were saying earlier, you're kind of hoping to see more um, events and event play in local like tournaments and store support mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Obviously, yeah. more LGSs opening up to carrying the product. And I've, I've tried looking around us, and I have not found much within a two to three hour radius around our park. So I'm hoping to see more events and stuff like that. I'm assuming you're probably in there too because you said you want to participate more in like store events and yeah. stuff. I do plan on participating in some of the store games. What about you, Sal? I I would like to see them reprint the cores and Philosopher's Stone every set. Ooh, because we're that's going to be this is start this <laughs> yeah. is starting to get into one of the biggest problems that Magic had, where they have these cards that you need in every deck. Like you need fetches, you need shocks, you need those in every deck that you make that uses multiple colors and it gets to the point where some of these cards can be like 50 60 dollars each and you can't afford to buy four of each of those damn cards because it's just too expensive and right now cores and philosopher's stone are at they're at a, a good point i think where they're they're expensive because everybody needs them mm-hmm. but and they're, they're hard not to pull, obviously because they're not impossible to get a hold of mm-hmm. like you you can get them like i think each of us has a playset now or one of each card at least so we can use them uh but once you start getting into multiple decks that you want to make it's either you either pull out to, that one card every time yeah, you play it or you use which is and... tedious but it's still doable i think if they were to like let's say arthurian legends reprint all the cores and philosopher's stone and just have new art maybe they look different maybe they so here's the thing would you want the same cards printed or would would, you like mechanically the same but like different so instead of philosopher's stone it would be like merlin's something i think they would have to because you don't you don't want to get to a point where you have three mechanically identical philosopher's stones in the game and then you get the problem where everybody has three philosopher's stones in their deck that's so that that kind of cancels out the whole point of it being unique yeah Although, if they could either make them all Philosopher's Stone, like the name Philosopher's Stone, and just new art and new whatever, Mm -hmm. or they could go, like, make, uh, I don't know, some new named card that's the, uh, like, it's mechanically Philosopher's Stone, but you can't have Philosopher's Stone and this card Mm. in the same deck. So you still only have one stone. Kind of like how Magic the Gathering did, like the renaming of stone. Yeah, yeah. That's a little too cluttered uh, because sorcery is, like, it's very clean. It looks nice. You can't really do the whole double name thing. But, like, if they just said in the rule book, you can only have one of each stone. Yeah. Like, the dragon set has, like, maybe they make a dragon's egg and it's literally just Philosopher's Stone. So if you have the Dragon's Egg in your deck, you can't have the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. Now, so if they did something like that, the the cores would still be like 20 to 50. That would be fine. And they would be available to everybody. Because at, at the end of the day, I'm in the uh, the, the professor from Talaria Academy. I'm in his camp. These are game pieces that we need. And they're also collectibles. They're also art. They're also, like, they're all these things. But at the end of the day, they're still game pieces. Yeah. And if I want to make a deck, I need those game pieces. And I don't want to have to spend $100 in three sets when Alpha and Beta are out of print. And I can't get Philosopher's Stones anymore. 
that would really suck. And I don't want to see the game go that direction. You know what I mean? So there was talk about like a, um, what is it, not un- unlimited, but um, I guess it is like an unlimited. What was the one in Magic where it was Alpha, Sense? Beta, and then it was unlimited, right? Yeah. Like the Chronicles, but it was unlimited. Yeah, Alpha, first. Beta, Unlimited, Revised. Yeah. So, okay, Revised. So there's there's talk about people wondering if they might do like an unlimited or a revised reprint of Alpha, Beta in the near future, but we don't know how realistic that is seeing as they're only coming out with one set a year you don't want to have a revised set as like the third set necessarily i mean maybe yeah but like when it's one year per one set per year that's like okay we're gonna get a reprinting three years from now sort of thing like it would still work it would keep alpha and beta at a premium for a couple of years and then you get another one where it is more available to have those cards but it's not going to take away from the value of the alpha and beta version but it's going to allow those to still be accessible, and now you can get that stone. Yeah. So what's your opinion on waiting until we do like a revised or an unlimited set, reprinting these later versus having it printed in every set? Like, would you would you care between the two? What are your thoughts, Jesse? Um, I'm not really sure about it. Like, I'm like on the fence on both sides of this, but having some cards is very limited on the print and not print as much, like, it will give you the value like the Power 9 did. Mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering. Where in sorcery we it's the alchemy nine, pretty much yeah, the, the, the mixes, the nine. cores and the So you you want it or to retain five, that, that value, um, which Sal, I know you have a whole thing on that one, like you just said. You you and that's that's the thing too, when it comes like magic has pretty much at this point, um, and I don't know, Sal, you have more experience, both of you guys have more experience than I do on this, but they've really made it known that they want obviously all of the base versions of cards to be very low value for the most part but easily obtainable and then the collector aspect comes from like the blinged out version the special versions the alternate art versions the secret layer versions the stuff that makes them stand out because of a certain foiling process or an art but that also opens it up to five different versions of this card (laughs) and different artworks and you know bling bling and special and all that so how do you feel like we can see the same balance of collectability and value versus accessibility and availability without having to go to the extremes of making like a blinged out version versus an affordable version like how do you see a way for them to balance that well i, I think you could have both because uh jesse you were saying that you wanted like your your alpha cards to retain their value later when they're out of print if if they reprint these cards later your alpha cards are still like the number of like if you have a philosopher stone the number of alpha philosopher stones out there is not going to change yeah so that if you have an alpha philosopher stone that price is just going to keep going up because the number of uh copies out there are either going to dwindle or people are going to put them in uh, slabs or they're going to keep them in their binders or people have like complete collections those aren't going to go anywhere but if they make a revised edition with another philosopher's stone it's not going to be an alpha one so it won't really affect the prices of alpha as a set um and we'll still have more copies out there for people to get their hands on. Mm-hmm. So availability, availability will go up, and price of old cards will go up, and everybody will be happy. Yeah. What do you feel about on this one? Since I know you just said that you bought another box of beta to like hold on to 
long term from when beta is no longer in print, what are your thoughts on keeping things, like Sal was saying, like keeping things available and obtainable and, and affordable, but also like being able to hold for long term and knowing that your beta is still going to be you know worth something down the road if they did do reprints? Like what are your feelings on uh, reprinting every set versus like reprinting later or even having reprints of alpha and beta? It's uh, a tough question for me because, yeah, I'm hoping for my box to hold its value yeah. in the future, get a little bit of money out of it. You're also not like a real big market player guy or like keeping up with markets and stuff. Yeah, I'm not. You just you like knowing that your stuff has value, but you're not like watching the numbers every day and be like, oh, my stone is down five dollars today, or, <laughs> or they reprinted this. And so, but you still want. I mean, do you have the same want that Sal was saying, where you want to see like cores and philosopher stone in every set, or or would you feel like not having them for a few sets at a time is not gonna like. Not having them for a few sets at a time would be fine because it feels like these decks are like they need these cards, but mm-hmm. like, do they really need to have like every deck need to have a philosopher's stone when it's just yes, no, <laughs> no, uh, I was like, it's like a bit of an overkill at times, yeah. No, there, there's initially when I first started playing, I thought philosopher's stone is so good, put it in every single deck, and then as I started building more constructed decks and um, chatting with more people and because there's people where when we're done playing, like we flip over our decks and we just show each other cards. And then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, why did you do that? Why didn't you do that? Why don't you have a Philosopher's Stone in there? And I've actually had people telling me, you know, reasons why they didn't put cores in there versus why they didn't put Philosopher's Stone in there or why they did or didn't. And it's interesting to see, like, um, I built, for example, early on, I built a very, very aggressive, low-cost, in-your-face Battle Mage deck where I wanted to pop off on, like, three mana and just be able to play everything. But then somebody brought it to my attention where you might not necessarily need a core or a Philosopher's Stone because if you're wanting to do damage and you draw a core, how is that going to help you get damage in that turn? It's just going to give you mana, but it's not going to let you do anything in that turn. Mm -hmm. And this deck was very much like, I want to win by turn five sort of thing. So they brought it to my attention. I'm feeling about my deck right now. Yeah. Because it has a lot of low stuff. Like, only a few things are, like, turn five is like, well, by turn five is like, yeah, I could just get rid of that one thing. And if you drew, like, a stone... Yeah, if you drew a stone turn five or six, like, it's not going to... It might not help you as much in the deck that you're building now, right? Mm -hmm. So it just kind of feels like an empty card draw. Yeah, I haven't played my deck much, but, like, I do feel like I still need to tweak it a lot more. So with with that in mind, like, yeah, there are certain decks... And I I even have a monocolored Spark Mage deck where it's like, I'm not going to run Philosopher's Stone in there for monocolor. I run a core and and mixes and stuff, but, um, yeah, so some of these cards are like, oh, you need these in in most decks, the cores and stuff and the mixes, but all... You don't really, you want Philosopher's Stone in a lot of decks where you're casting multiple things, but I think two colored decks is like questionable whether, obviously in a three or four colored deck, like it's going to be really good because you're going to have more things to benefit from it, more um, elements. But in like a two, definitely not a one color deck, but a two color deck, you might not necessarily need that stuff. Um, So it's interesting to see like prices change now that people are kind of figuring out, oh, maybe I don't need Philosopher's Stone in every Mm -hmm. deck. And maybe it doesn't need to be reprinted if you're not going to run in every deck. But then again, like you said, like you want it to be available for the people that are building three decks that want a Philosopher's Stone in three decks. (laughs) um, I think right now it's sitting a little above a hundred bucks. Which uh, Philosopher's Stone? Yeah, the beta version. The alpha version's like, Three, four, oh, yeah. four hundred. Uh, when I pulled so. mine, mine were like at one sixty-ish. No, then they've caught up still. We've we've seen. And they're still going up like, daily. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we've seen 
the, su- the supply drying up a little bit. I think the prices went down as more people were opening them and people were like, oh, I'll just buy another box, buy another box. But now we're seeing like, I think Game Nerds is one of the a big distributor here. They sold out. Uh, Team Covenant uh, is believed to be on like the low end of their supply. They're selling out Europe and some of those other countries that had delays they're just barely getting their product but a lot of time they don't really affect the American uh, market because they have their own ways of, of selling and, and buying stuff like that so in America like our supply is drying up a little bit on beta and we don't know if there's going to be a second print run actually like printing new stuff which a lot of people are, are speculating that there's not going to be a print run but we might have printed a lot and there might be a second distribution like a second wave of distribution of the same print run mm-hmm. Um, which might be nice, uh, and it won't really affect numbers, but it'll help availability. Um, but it's it's interesting to see like as it dries up and beta is no longer yeah. very you know things are going back up again. And now that you're building these decks, you're seeing it a little bit because you're like, oh, Philosopher's Stone was only a hundred bucks before. I'll just buy another one, and then you look at it, and you're like, oh, now it's one hundred and fifty. Yeah. Now it's one hundred and eighty. I'm glad I pulled two in one box, <laughs> Mister Second and Third Pack. Um, yeah, that was amazing. I got so excited. We hated you that day. I just like want to call you on my first one. I'm <laughs> oh like, no, gosh. no, no. I wait until no the box. Pull the second one. Okay, take pictures. Send them to Kev. <laughs> just like, hey, look what I just got. I am freaking out. Yeah, I, I wish. I wish we would have been with you because we were with you when you opened your first box, and it was really cool. I mean, you you were probably like Sal when I was sitting there, like, oh, that card's good. That card's expensive. Oh, that you want to hold on to that? And you're like, I, I don't really know about these cards but cool well, obviously you knew the cores were good because you yeah. saw cores and stuff um but yeah your second by the time you got to your second box like you knew stones were like fire well, I, I wish we could have been with you when you pulled that and just been there like ah you pulled two stones um in my last box i i opened all of my boxes without you guys there i opened them on the stream and did like live box openings for people on the I podcast was for your streams you were you were there but it wasn't like an in-person. Yeah. I thank you for joining on that bit. Uh, but the last box that I got, I was just so excited to get. And as much as I had fun doing the live stream ones where I opened them uh, on the stream for people in the unboxing videos, I had fun just opening them with you guys because, Jesse, you were opening your box at the same time. I was opening my box. Sal was sour because he didn't get his box in time, yeah. so he's watching us. I remember you. Like... I'm still waiting for it. I, I think it's going to be here tomorrow at noon. So I hope so. If you want to come over and watch me. I'll, I'll open, come watch you. Uh, I'll open two philosophers. I remember halfway through Jesse's box, you just went back <laughs> into the other room and like I was just shouting, "Sal, you open this!" You're like, "Uh huh." Well, uh, you guys were both off that day, and I was working, so I had to pretend <laughs> to do something. So, and then I come out with my. I opened up a foil a ruby core, and you're like, I, oh, "I'll still give right. you 400 for it." Uh, I. I, oh my gosh, that's another thing, man. I, I don't know if I want to hold these. And knowing that it's like, at least the foils in these are, are going to hold a lot more value, potentially, than the non-foils. Even the non-foils yeah. are going to hold value. Like, part of me wants to sell these to fund things, but then it's also like, what am I what am I going to buy with $400? Like, it's not like it's a $3,000. beta bucks. Yeah, it's not like it's a $3,000 <laughs> Philosopher's Stone or a Curio where it's like, oh, I'm going to sell this and get a play set or, you know, five more boxes or, and yeah. let it keep, you know, building up. It's like $400 you're at that sweet point to where it's like yeah it's decent money but i've almost i'd almost rather just hold that as being my first and only foil stone on there but uh 
All right, so coming coming to a close, I think we've covered most things here. We've kind of talked about, you know, we've introduced you guys. We talk about uh, your introduction into the game and and how you're feeling about it so far and your first experiences, first box openings, uh, what you're looking forward to the most in these upcoming sets and your thoughts on the upcoming sets. Um, we've talked about really a lot of your guys' thoughts on really everything. Did we have anything that you guys feel we missed or we didn't cover? Any last thoughts that you kind of want to give out there about the game, where it's at, what you're looking forward to? Uh, things you want to do, decks you want to build, any last thoughts for you guys as far as this goes? Speak now or forever hold your peace. I'm just looking forward for pulling a Merlin avatar. Oh my gosh, I that, can't. That would be so nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Give give me an unsummoned, give me traps, and give us more cores. Definitely traps. As long as it's not a... Uh, what's what's the magic? It's, it's the one where you, um, what's the uh, unsummon everything? Oh, Psych Rift? So, yeah, Cyclonic Rift. No, oh, I, yeah. I just... Get away from me. Give me some space, and that's it. I like. We don't even need counter spells. And this is coming from a blue red player yeah. for like decades. S- screw, screw your mono blue deck. <laughs> where it's like uh, in I, response. I love my counter wants spells. Wants to build a wall and just fling fireballs at your face. Yeah. Exactly. Get away from me. <laughs> like it, if if I just have a panic button, I'm fine with that. Like not even something that's aggressive or like counter spell. Just return it away from me. So uh, on that note, I I was hoping that there was like, you know how there's blink? Mm -hmm. I was hoping to see something where you can blink someone else's thing. I was. I mean, we, we kind of have that in water a little bit as far as the sights go. Like When I died to your your battle mage the first time, that was the first thing I scoured. It's like, it's got to be in air. If it's not in air, it's got to be in water. And there's some things that push, but yeah, like, there, there's, there's nothing. Yeah, air stuff. has stuff that pushes yeah. like a few. But water like, I, has like I as long as you're blink, in a body of water. I can't blink your battle mage. Yeah. And that kind of sucks. And I would like to see that in an upcoming thing, like being able to force, play a card that forces you to like move something or, or teleport and somewhere. And it's not like it'd be unfair because you would just play blink on your turn and return Back to where yeah. you were. It's not like be, you can't do it. But I want like, to be able to blink your yeah. minion into bottomless <laughs> like, Keep you from attacking me for one turn. Give me a chance to try try coming up with something. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do as far as like interaction on stuff or being able to on your turn force certain things to happen. Yeah. Um, so it'll be definitely interesting to see. Um, any last thoughts? Final words, Jesse. Might have to build me a battle mage as well. <laughs> you're gonna. You're gonna. I didn't want to. I I eventually want to build a deck. One deck for each avatar. You know, save for like the seer and the sorcerer because you can use them with like different archetypes, and you're not really necessarily That's building a lot of philosophers. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Proxies, paper copies. Yeah. Uh, no, but I uh, I don't know. Do you guys eventually want to do the same, or are you not really an interest in building around? I might one? build one for every avatar because for. Magic Gathering, I love Commander. I got over 30 decks. Yeah. <laughs> it's and so I could be having more, but I have been breaking down some so I can reinforce newer ones. What about you, Sal? You're not really I, a... You, you've heard me complain about this so many times already, uh, just when we're sitting around at work, but there's so many avatars that, like, this thing is cool. I think we're at it 11, has a cool ability. We're at six, 15 avatars now. Yeah. There, there's so many times where I'll look at one of the avatars and, like, this is a really cool ability, and it does something neat, but I would rather just have Sorcerer. I'd rather have that drop for... Like, I don't care what this thing does. Even the, the new Geomancer, mm-hmm. I would rather have Sorcerer. 
I'd yeah. rather be able to draw a card than play with rubble. I like, remember you yeah. uh, experiencing that when you were trying to build a fire aggro deck. You started with the first avatar of fire. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, okay, it's nice having a fireball. But then you tried the other, the flame caller, and then you were like, well, I, I think I'd rather just have sorcerer and draw more spells to be able to do yeah. more things. But, yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, joining me um, last, very last minute for uh, some some chatter and, and some uh, nice interview questions, uh, uh, giving us a, a insight into uh, different levels of like beginner plays and, and people with different experiences in trading card games and, and different experiences with sorcery. Um, I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, I'm glad you guys had some free time to come and chatter with me on sorcery. Yeah, it was um, fun being here. Do you guys have any last things to say for the community, or do you have, are you interested in? Being part of the community at all, or you just you just want to play. Um, with my time and scheduling right now, it'd be a little hard to be part of the community full time. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they appreciate you just being on this episode with me. But uh, all right, well, with that, I appreciate you guys being here. We'll wrap it up, and uh, I hope listeners. Uh, I know the audio is a little different this time around because we are. In order to fit all of us uh, in one location, we kind of had to change recording location. So we're in a spot where I don't normally do my recording. So it might be a little more echoey or sound like we're in a lot bigger room because we are. Uh, so I hope it's not too terrible. I'm going to work on the audio quality a little bit. Um, so thank you for listeners. And uh, thank you for you guys for, for tuning in. I hope listeners enjoy uh, what you guys had to say and uh, the conversations we had here. Well, thank you guys. I'll see you guys on the battlefield soon. <laughs> All right, and we're back. Uh, we're back from that episode of Realmside Chatter. Like I said, I hope you guys were able to uh, bear with the audio quality on that one. But uh, I had a lot of fun. Thank you very much for uh, joining me, Sal and Jesse, on that. I had a lot of fun chatting with you guys. We went a little bit longer than we had anticipated. But, you know, it's always a fun time chatting about sorcery, especially with really passionate players and collectors. And so we had a lot of fun. Um, I hope you all enjoyed that episode. I hope to do more future episodes of Realmside Chatter in the future with some guests talking about some really cool things. I do have some guests planned and lined up for the upcoming year. So that's going to be very exciting, especially with the very first guests that I have for this upcoming year in January. I have a very exciting, very, very big guest, surprise guest coming in. And uh, so I really can't wait for that one. I'm going to surprise all you listeners, but uh, you're all going to have to wait until next year for that one. All right. So we're going to close up the episode with some card highlights. At the end of every episode, I like to do some card highlights and just kind of take note of a few different cards within the main sets that we have so far. So the first card that we're going to talk about is Royal Bodyguard. Royal Bodyguard is a four mana, two earth threshold, four power, elite mortal. And it says if a nearby avatar or royalty, king, queen, prince, or princess would take damage, Royal Bodyguard may take that damage instead. And it has very beautiful artwork by Liz Danforth. And the artwork is a little bit of a throwback to uh, Las Meninas, an oil painting created by Diego Velasquez uh, back in the day. It's a uh, Spanish Baroque style, so it's really, really cool to see a little bit of art history throwback there by uh, Liz Danforth. Now, Rolog Bodyguard is an interesting card. Not only is it immortal and it's great in mortal decks, but it introduces this subtype of royalty. And royalty includes, like I said, king, queen, prince, or princess. So in the future, we might see upcoming sets that include not only mortals, but this subtype of royalty in there other kings queens princes or princesses especially in the upcoming arthurian legend set since that set has to do with this king and the knights of camelot and this whole kingdom and everything like that there's probably going to be some royalty in there so it's really exciting to see that card have more cards that it actually hits that actually works well with with this royalty subtype so that's really really cool and next up we have a site dwarven forge 
Dwarven Forge is an elite site, it is a fire site, and it says anyone may conjure weapons and armor here and for one mana less. So it is a great site to have in decks that use a lot of artifacts, specifically the weapon and armor subtype of artifact. And it's especially good to have as your first or second site drop because if you put this down turn one underneath your avatar, you can then almost immediately use that mana reduction of the site to drop in some artifacts and equip your avatar with these, especially useful in a battle mage deck because battle mage you're going to want to attach a lot of things to your battle mage so if you put this down on turn one or two you can all of a sudden drop some really powerful artifacts to equip your battle mage with as long as their weapons are armor which majority of the ones in battle mage are and you can do that again for one mana less so definitely a really good card in that deck as well as just other decks that have these weapons and armor and again with the upcoming arthurian legend set we're anticipating a lot of cool weapons and armor and stuff in there that might be really really useful for this site so great site and last but not least we have a staple card very useful in a lot of different decks we have blink blink is a two mana one air threshold ordinary magic that simply says an ally teleports to a location it's nearby draw a card so this is a great spell not only because it forces movement you're able to move something to a nearby spot but it gives you that card replacement by allowing you to draw that card and because it doesn't target a unit it simply just says an ally you're able to cast this uh, onto anything anywhere it does not have to follow restrictions as far as regions go you're able to use it on a unit of your choice whether it's your avatar or any of your minions um, so it's really really useful definitely a staple card in a lot of different decks one of the best forced movement spells that we have right now and uh, definitely one that you're probably going to want to run at least three to four in for most of your air decks all right and with that we've come to the end of the episode i just want to thank listeners i hope you all enjoyed the very first episode of realm side chatter hope to have more of these in the future again with some better sound uh, and audio quality but just want to say thank you so much to the community thank you so much to all those on discord who show love and support the podcast as well as everybody who isn't on discord if you're just listening to the podcast thank you so much for listening i couldn't do it without you listeners and last but certainly not least uh just one more thank you to my buddies sal and jesse who joined me on this episode i had a lot of fun chatting with you guys so on that note i just want to say be kind to one another and last but not least as always stay contested until next time